Hi, my name is Mike Herbster. I'm privileged to be the director of Southland Christian Camp Ministries. For over 25 years, Southland has centered itself around the ministry of preaching. We believe that God uses the foolishness of preaching to convict hearts and transform lives. Our prayer is that today's sermon would push you to become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you listen, would you carefully evaluate your life in light of God's Word and take the appropriate action to grow in your walk with Him? We hope that you will enjoy today's message. Good morning. It's a slow morning, I feel. Do you feel that? I feel that. And I'm not old. Thank you for agreeing with me on that. But uh, it feels like a slow, overcast morning. But you know, even though that may be, our hearts can rejoice in the Lord. And um, uh, we have sung about uh, many songs about the Bible. And then uh, the two uh, guys who were singing, See the Christ, which is a great song. Do you know that comes straight out of a particular book of the Bible? Do you know what book of the Bible that that song came from? It's chapter 2 of a New Testament book. Maybe that'll help you. You know what book? Starts with a P. That's very good. Rhymes with Philippians, that's right, all right. Uh, Philippians chapter two, when Jesus came down. So all our songs this morning really focused in on the word of God, and what we just sang is, I need God's word. Do you believe that you need God's word? You do. That's why we've gathered here for this winter retreat. Oh my goodness, that's why, bless your heart, you have to hear me seven times (laughs) as we look at the word of God. I'm enjoying it, I trust you are as well. Uh, It's a lot, isn't it? A whole lot of information that we've been learning here in Ephesians 4. But uh, I believe it's vital and helpful for us. Uh, The Lord's been teaching me uh, in my own study, and I I trust that... um, he is teaching you as well. Before You can go ahead and turn to Ephesians 4. Before we get in there, I thought to, I would take just a minute and um, chat with you or encourage you about something. All right? Uh, when I arrived, when you arrived, when was that? Was that Monday? We arrived on Monday. Um, I found out that we would be singing as uh, every day uh, a song that I wrote, and we have been doing that, The Spirit Sword. And, uh, and I wrote that, it was actually in 2017, but it, the music got put to it in tw- 2018. Uh, but um, uh, that's something that I enjoy doing. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, I enjoyed poetry and uh, studying it and so forth. And, um, but uh, the Lord has given me that uh, desire and, and I've enjoyed doing those things. And I was thinking as we were singing once again today, Uh, I thought, you know, the church today needs new hymns that are being written. That's not to diminish the old hymns because the old hymns are awesome and I love them. But every, every generation, we need your voice to speak the truth of God 
to our generation. And some of you enjoy writing. Some of you are really good at writing. You know what I would encourage you to do? Think about this. Take what God is teaching you from his word and put it in an artistic fashion as you can do and write hymns for the church that maybe your church can sing. And uh, that's what I started to do. Well, in my, uh, in my church, I began to write. It was, uh, let's see, it was 2006 for me. Uh, and I wrote with the idea of I just want my youth group, and I was in charge of it, so I want my youth group to sing the truth that we are learning together. And so I began to start writing and trying to put those thoughts down. And um, uh, some of it's not real good. Others of it turns out okay. It kind of goes back and forth for me. But uh, my desire was just to teach my youth group and then maybe, hopefully, the adults even in my church. I had no idea that... um, uh, other people like you would eventually get to sing stuff that, uh, that I have uh, written. And uh, hey, look, if God has given you a desire and an ability to write, write for his glory, use it for the church. We, we need you to write songs, hymns that the church congregation can sing. All right, that's my little plug for that. All right. Ephesians 4, that's where we are. Now, let's see here. What is our text today? Our text is verse number 28. That's as far as we have gotten. So that's what we're going to look at this morning, just one verse. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give. To him that needeth. Our Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, how I thank you for the Scripture. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. We have sung and we acknowledge to you that we need God's Word. And uh, as Brother Mike prayed, uh, after a full day yesterday and late night and fun, uh, overcast morning, we can have a little bit of um, tired brains and so forth uh, earlier morning. And I, I pray that you give us grace to hear the word today and uh, grace to obey. We need you. Thank you for being so patient with us. Amen. <clears throat> so the parent comes to the teenager and says this. Hey, I'm glad you get to go out with your friends tonight, but I want you to remember three very important things. Number one, do right. Number two, don't do wrong. Don't do uh, stupid, sinful acts. Because number three, remember what you do reflects on this family. Remember what your last name is. Have you had this conversation? Have you had something similar to this? Do you know that's what the Apostle Paul is doing here in Ephesians 4? He is saying, Christian, God has given you a glorious life in Christ. Enjoy the life God has given you. But remember, practice righteous living. Avoid the corruption of the old life. Because remember, after all, what you do reflects on the family, reflects on the Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's getting at. Truly, how you live your life 
is vital to the testimony of Jesus Christ. So I ask you, and it's an unfair question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Does your life reflect well of Jesus Christ or poorly on Jesus Christ? Look, if you're honest, you're going to sit here and you're going to hang your head and say, oh, I am such a poor representative of Christ. That's true. So am I. But praise God for his patience and his enablement that he gives you to reflect well on him. You need God's word. You need the Holy Spirit and you have it. So you can reflect well on the Lord Jesus. You just need to be looking at your own life and seeing where am I failing Where am I excelling and continue to seek God's help and his favor and his blessing on that and his enablement? Your life will speak well of Jesus when you are true to who you are in Christ. You're the new man. Something vital happened to you. Something supernatural happened to you. Something irreversible happened to you. You have been made into an entirely new person. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The old you is crucified with Christ. The new you has come to life, pulsing with all the life, eternal life of Jesus Christ. You now have a new master, new desires, new understanding, new mind, new destiny, new hope, new behavior. And as, the, as you are participating in the new behavior, shunning the old behavior, you are reflecting well on the Lord Jesus Christ. So how does this look? Uh, maybe sometimes you've scratched your head and said, I just don't know how to live the Christian life. Oh, you're not left to wonder. It is very simple to understand how a person lives a Christian life, how a Christian lives a Christian life. There is a very familiar pattern. What's the pattern? It's negative, positive, Christian reason why. This is how you live the Christian life. What's the negative? You put off the corruption of the old man that leftover stuff. You put on the righteousness of the new man as your mind is being renewed. Here are, here's the Christian reason why. And what have we looked at? We looked at lying yesterday. Uh, what does the Christian do? He puts off the corruption of falsehood. He puts on the righteousness of truth-telling. What makes this Christian? We are members one of another. We want to be unified in the church to show the world that Jesus is the Son of God come from heaven. All right? Then we looked at last night anger. You put off the corruption of sinful anger. You put on the righteousness of righteous anger. Why? So we shut and deny uh, an, uh, the devil an opening to our heart. We do not want to give him any control in our lives and minds. This is what makes it Christian, okay? Well, now we come to another one. What does the gospel do with theft, stealing, taking that which does not belong to you? Well, guess what? You're not left to guess. A very familiar pattern emerges. Negative, positive, Christian reason why. 
This is fascinating to me. You should be fascinated by the Bible. Are you? This is great. Okay, what's the negative? Put off theft. Positive, put on honest labor. What makes this Christian? What's the Christian reason why? So we may give, so we may be a blessing to other people, okay? Stealing steals the blessing from others. Honest labor gives a blessing to others, okay? So let's look at these three. Uh, All right, the first one here is to put off the theft, put off stealing. Look at verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more. Notice right off the bat, the apostle is addressing thieves in the church. He's writing to the church. Let you who are stealing steal no more. He's addressing thieves in the church. The apostle is not calling for theft to stop in the world. No, his target audience is the church. Now, does that, does that uh, unsettle you a bit that there are thieves in the church? Does that make you a bit uncomfortable to think that those thieves are sitting here right now? <laughs> This is what he is getting at. The apostle's point is clear. Let the stealer stop stealing going forward. Why? You're the new man in Christ, so be done with the deceiving lusts of the old man. Do you remember verse 22, which was the description of the old man? The old man is corrupt, watch it, according to the deceitful lusts. Stealing and thievery is nothing if it is not full of lust and full of deceit. Be done with it. But for the new man, thievery is to be put off all over again every day of his life. You know, that's always been God's desire and really God's demand for his people. Go all the way back in your mind, way back to the Old Testament, children of Israel in the wilderness, Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments. Have you heard of the Ten Commandments before? (laughs) Uh, what's one of them? Four words. Thou shalt not steal. That's always been God's desire. Uh, In God's eyes, thieves are lawbreakers who have earned divine judgment. Do not steal. Now, God's law was expanded and applied later on, and you get to Leviticus chapter 19, you discover God has no tolerance with people who deal falsely with one another. He has no tolerance with those who steal neighbor's money, neighbor's wages, a neighbor's rights. Now you get to the New Testament and it gets even even bigger. The apostle reveals in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that those whose lives are characterized by persistent, ongoing theft, they are not inheritors of the kingdom of God. But then gloriously he says to the church in Corinth, and such were some of you, but you are washed. You are sanctified, being made more like Christ. You are, uh, you are justified, declared righteous, 
in the eyes of God. But such were some of you. Were. That's the great power of the gospel. You used to be characterized by this selfishness. You were that, but you are no longer that because something happened to you. Jesus happened to you. The Holy Spirit of God came in and changed you. I love that. Gloriously, Jesus saves thieves. Do you remember the thieves on the cross? Right next to him, one of them turns to Christ. And yet in the very hour of his death, this man found hope. This thief found hope in Jesus Christ. Uh, <clears throat> Truly, him that stole is stealing no more. Something happened to you. Now, do you remember uh, in, in uh, the life of Jesus in, in, in Luke chapter 19, there was a very powerful man. Now, he was a short man. His name was Zacchaeus. As they say over in Scotland, he was a wee little man. <laughs> uh, and uh, Zacchaeus, tax collector, extortioner. Now, that's a big word for, you know, 940 or something in the morning extortioner. You know what that means? He was a thief. He stole people's money. Uh, but then something happened to him. Jesus happened to him. He got saved. You know what he says in uh, Luke 19, 8 and 9? Behold, Lord, if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said to him, this day is salvation come to this house. The new man puts off the old corruption of theft and stealing do you. You claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Is your life full of theft? You ought to put it off. Now, stealing characterizes the old man because selfish lust is at the heart of thievery. To steal is to say, I have the right to your stuff. To steal is to say, I deserve to have what belongs to you. To steal is to say, you do not matter to me, I matter to me. Selfish lust is at the heart of thievery. Now the thief is not only selfish, the thief is also lazy. She wants something for nothing. He wants the sweet without the sweat. Uh -huh. Now, when you think, at least when I think of thievery, I often think of money, okay? So let's, let's apply this a little bit. Uh, you can steal money from your parents, from your brother, your sister, your friend. You can steal money from a business, the government. You can steal money from the church. You can steal money from God. But that's, money's not the only thing you can steal. You can steal credit. You can steal reports. You can steal test answers. You can steal phones, pills, files, bikes, video games, cars. You can steal video games about stealing cars. You can plagiarize. You can shoplift. Multiple people sharing one account without everybody paying for it. I'm not talking about in the family, you, you, but you understand what I'm saying. Finding a way around the system. You can violate copyright laws. You can pirate movies and music. 
You can sneak into an event without paying an entry fee. You can steal honest labor or honest work time from the employer. Uh, your job requires a certain amount of time and honest day's work, and yet when on the, the company's dime or the business, wherever you're working, you're online gaming during that time or you're online shopping during that time. That's stealing. You can cheat a client on an agreed-upon contract. You can overcharge unethically to make a little bit more money. You can borrow things without returning. The list is endless. But the point is very clear. You are a thief. What are you, unsaved? Let him that stole no longer steal going forward. Something has happened to you. Stealing is the corruption of the old man. So put it off. But that's the negative. What's the positive? Put on honest labor. Here is the opposite side. Look back at verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good. What we see here is uh, that work is good. Work is honest. Work is not a part of the fall. Did you know that Adam was working before he fell into sin? Work is not a part of the curse. It is blessed by God. And the apostle calls the church to embrace honest labor. And the point of this labor is working to the point of exhaustion, even. It is hard work. It is, to, uh, it is the opposite of being lazy. Now, labor, work. Does God work? Is labor a part of God's nature? It is. <laughs> Think about the, the, uh, the act of creation. Six days of work. And then what does he do the seventh day? He sets aside that day to cease to rest, as it were, from the week of labor that he did. How about God incarnate? You know what incarnate means, right? In the flesh. Who is God in the flesh? Jesus. Did he work when he was here on this earth? Yeah. In his ministry, he goes back to Nazareth, his hometown, and he goes into the synagogue, that's a Jewish house of worship, and he begins to teach. And they don't like what he's teaching. And in Mark 6 and verse 3, they say this, is not this the carpenter? Now in Matthew, I think it's Matthew 13, he's called the carpenter's son. Of course, Joseph being uh, the carpenter there in Nazareth, or one of the carpenters perhaps in Nazareth, and then uh, he's not mentioned, Joseph is not mentioned any other time uh, after the birth narratives of Jesus. Some people think that means Joseph died. He's never mentioned, though Mary is mentioned again. So, at, so he's called the carpenter's son. So a time he was helping Joseph. And now in Mark 6, he's also referred to as the carpenter. So at some point, it appears that Jesus was the carpenter of Nazareth, or if it's a larger, uh, larger town, one of the carpenters of Nazareth. What does this mean? What did it mean to be a carpenter in Nazareth in the first century? Uh, well, what it was like something like this. Uh, the material he had to work with was wood and brick and stone. His tools were hammers, hatchets, planes, nails, saws, and none of these are electric, you understand. 
the products, what did he make? He would have made tables. He would have made chairs, doors, plows, yokes. What were his hours? Were most likely, most likely it's 12 hours a day. And there's no air conditioning. And it's outdoor. It's hard work. That was the physical labor he did. And then his three years of itinerant ministry, he was often to the point of exhaustion, walking, ministering, preaching, teaching. My point is this, God's nature is to labor. It is to work. The eternal son of God knew what it was like to labor to fatigue. Now, do you remember verse 24 here in Ephesians 4? The new you is created after God. What is in God's nature is now in yours. You are a sharer or partaker in the divine nature. Uh, Peter would say this. God labors, so now you too can and should the same way. Does the apostle who tells us to labor, did he labor? Did Paul labor? Well, yeah. If you read in Acts 20, verses 33 and 34, he's talking to the very people he wrote this letter to. He's, right, he's talking in Acts chapter 20 to the elders, the leaders of the church in Ephesus. And he says this, I coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, you yourselves know these hands have ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. Paul said, when I was with you in Ephesus, you know I was engaged in labor. I was working. Now you read what he did there. He did a lot of physical labor. He did a lot of mental labor as well. A lot of teaching as well. There is divine dignity in physical and mental labor. So are you diligent in your work? Are you diligent in your school work? Are you diligent in your responsibilities at home, at work, and at school? Nobody should outwork the Christian. All right. Well, that's good, and that's wonderful. Christians shouldn't steal. Christians should be hard workers. But can I tell you, I know a lot of unsaved people who don't steal and who work hard. My son plays um, baseball. Uh, he's 11, and uh, he's, on a, uh, uh, he's on a travel baseball team, which makes no sense because we travel as a family as well. I don't know how, it's, how it works out, but somehow we've made it work. But uh, he's on this team, and he's, he enjoys it. Got a great coach, great coach, a good man. I'm not sure of his own uh, standing before God. He is a good man, and, and uh, uh, he's been so kind to our family and very helpful to us. I heard him one day sit down, all the boys. Now, to my knowledge, my son is the only at least professed uh, Christian uh, on, the, on the team. Uh, there may be others, but uh, I, the coach set down the whole team, <laughs> and he had a little chat. Have you had a coach have a little chat with you before? He had a chat with the team, and he said, boys, you know, this is, you know, 11 and 12-year-olds, boys, there will be no stealing on this team. These phones, these gloves, these this equipment, uh, the the, the uh, Gatorade bottles, if it's not yours, it's not yours. Don't take it. There will be no tolerance. If you take anything that's not yours, you will be kicked off this team. He got very uh, intense with them. And I sat there and I listened. I said, well, good. This is a good thing. And I walked away and I thought, but what makes this Christian? 
When, when, when Paul says we ought not to steal, we ought to work, what makes it any different? Well, Paul doesn't leave us to, to guess. Here's the Christian reason why. So you may give, you may have to give to those who are in need. A Christian's view of work is different. The gospel changes everything. So you got to begin with this question. Why do you work? Why must you work? Well, Christianity says you work to provide a blessing to other people. It's a different mindset totally. So you know what that means? I, I realize we have a lot of, the, you know, m most of the people I talked to here this morning are young people, teenagers, and so forth. I get that. But I want you to get a, a bigger, comprehensive view of life than just your little youth, uh, uh, um, teenage world. It is this. God is pleased when you work hard to pay the bills. You are working to provide a blessing for other people. God is pleased when you work hard to put food on the table. God is pleased when you work to keep clothes on those in your family and shelter. Some of you have more responsibilities on you than others, maybe because of disability in your home or loss of job from a dad or a mom, and uh, you have to provide some things. May I say God is pleased when you do so. God is pleased when you work hard to help provide medical treatment. Or how about when you make money in order to provide a blessing for someone's birthday or someone's anniversary or someone's holiday or vacation. You're working in order to delight those you love. You are, uh, uh, whether it be a primary job or a side job, you are laboring to give to those in need. And it's not just for your family, it is for other people as, as well. You have been blessed in order to be a blessing to other people. Here's the point for the Christian. The Christian understands, I do not labor to make money so I can indulge myself. So a lot of, teenagers think teenagers in the old humanity think i want my money so i can get my car so i can get my video game so i can get my label on the clothes so i can get my uh what whatever it is i want so i can indulge myself and they look at mom and dad, or they look at the grandparents, or they look at the primary caregiver in the home, and they say, you need to pay for me, but my money is mine. You know. The Christian says, I am working so that I may have in order to be a blessing to other people. Now that's not to say you can't enjoy the fruit of your labor. The scripture says the husbandman or the farmer is the first partaker of his fruits. Part of the joy, God's given us all good things to enjoy. There are wonderful things to enjoy in this life. And part of working, the joy of working is so you can have some fun and enjoy the goodness of God. I'm not saying you don't use your money on yourself. No, no, no. But the Christian says, I'm not here to indulge myself. I'm here to be a blessing to others. This is why I'm working. You see, the thief says, you work, and then so I can enjoy. 
But the Christian comes along and says, I'm not gonna steal from you. I'm gonna work so I can give to you. That's Christianity. Your stuff is never meant for your own gratification. The work of the new man is not for self-indulgence, but self-sacrifice. You know what the Lord Jesus said? Uh, he, uh, he, you read all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll never find that he said this. You find he said it uh, in the, as quoted in the book of Acts. Again, the apostle Paul is talking to the people in Ephesus and he quotes the Lord Jesus. In Acts 20 and verse 35, he said, uh, I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. See, the old man says, I take from you. The new man says, I give to you. The heart motive behind it all is unconditional love. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 13, verses 9 and 10, thou shalt not steal. He actually gives several commandments, but I want to point out on the stealing. Thou shalt not steal, and if there be any other commandment, it is comprehended in this saying, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. You take the Ten Commandments, the first four deals with love towards God, and the last six deal with love towards one another. So when you choose to not steal, you are demonstrating love towards that person. But the New Testament and Christianity comes along and takes it a step further and says, don't just not steal, but give back to that person. It's a whole new mindset. It's to say, I love you because Christ values you. Uh, I don't often get to be at home in my own home church. I'm, I'm, I'm usually preaching in other places, but uh, every so often I get to be home and it's so good because I enjoy hearing my pastor preach. And I was home. My pastor is currently preaching through the book of Ephesians and uh, he's in chapter five now, but uh, it was sometime, uh, was it this summer uh, or early, early fall? I don't remember when I was, but I was at home and uh, uh, he was in Ephesians 4. And that one Sunday I was home, he preached Ephesians 4, 28, uh, which is what we're looking at this morning. And he made a statement, and boy, I wrote it down. In fact, a lot of what you've heard today has been influenced by his study because I gleaned a lot when he preached that day. Um, <laughs> he wrote this, I wrote this statement down. He said, quote, we labor in order to demonstrate love, end quote. We labor so we can show love. Now that's Christianity. I'm not laboring to hoard. I'm not laboring to self-indulge. I'm laboring to love you. Then my pastor gave an illustration. He said, I'm not saying that this is required and this is not thus saith the Lord. He said, but here's a wonderful idea for you to consider. He said, we have savings accounts for so many other things in life, and savings accounts are good. He said, would you ever consider having a savings account to give away? It may, it may not be much, but you've, you put a little aside so you may have to give to, let's say, a missionary. 
You may have to give to uh, a neighbor. You may have to give to a brother or a sister. Say, Andy, you don't know my brother. <laughs> I, don't, I know I don't, but that's not my call. You may have a little bit to give aside, or side to give towards a, a project, maybe at church. Whatever it may be, do you ever think I should put some money aside so I can be a blessing to others? See, this is, this is what makes it Christian. The point is, I will take what I have worked for and seek to be a blessing to you. Why? So you might see Jesus in me. Because after all, did Jesus ever steal from you? No. Jesus has never stolen from you. In fact, Jesus did not selfishly hold on to what was his. But what did the two young men sing this morning? He made himself of no reputation. He left that in heaven. He came to this earth. This is Philippians 2. He uh, came to this earth. He How's that verse go? He made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man, being found in fashion as a man, humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Jesus left this, he laid aside what was rightfully his in order to give and give and give even to the point of death for you. He didn't just not steal, he gave himself for you. And when you take what you have worked for and you say, I want to be a blessing to my family, I want to be a blessing to my neighbor, I want to be a blessing to my church, I want to be a blessing to you, you are showing Christ and this makes it Christianity. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. May the message you've just heard be truth that transforms your heart and life. Christ loves you and wants you to grow in His grace through salvation and sanctification. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we'd love to talk to you personally. Please give us a call at 318-894-9154 or shoot me an email at mherpster at southlandcamp.org. Christ has promised eternal life and a life worth living if you will only believe in Him. May the Lord bless you in your pursuit of Christ-like living. Tune in next time right here for another message on the Southland Podcast.